Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Ravinia, with over 100 concerts under the stars this summer, including Daryl Hall and Elvis Costello, Nora Jones with special guest Mavis Staples, the Beach Boys with special guest John Stamos, Shaggy and TLC, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, and more. Their 30-acre park is nestled in a gently wooded area. Bring your own picnic or eat at one of the park restaurants. Tickets available now only at ravinia.org. When were the... What schools? Where's that story? It's Curious City. Where WBEZ answers your questions about Chicago, the region, and its people. Hi, I'm Mark Filipino, and right now I'm at a council meeting in the second biggest city in Illinois, Aurora. Clerk, would you please call the roll? Alderman Bowman? Here. Alderman Garza? Here. The aldermen are all set to appoint members to the Public Library Board and look at how to calm traffic. But I'm here for the ritual before the politics. Father, we thank you for allowing us to come together for another city council meeting. Our questioner, who didn't submit their name, asked, We pray at the start of every city council meeting in Aurora. How is that even legal? And do other communities do that too? I'll answer that last part right now. Yes, lots of councils in the Chicago area have invocations or prayer. Chicago does it, and so does the U.S. Congress, actually. But is it legal? Well, let's start with how people feel about it in Aurora. This guy, Ellis, caught the prayer at the council meeting. It's necessary. Why is that? People had to be more aware of God and his leadership. Because without him upstairs, we wouldn't get together. So some of Aurora's community members value it. The mayor says the prayer tradition's gone on at least for the 31 years he's been on the council. And it expresses common goals and feelings. And, actually, Aurora Alderman Chiquita Hart-Burns points that out in her invocation. We ask, oh God, that you be with us as we make decisions that would affect this city. And other councils that pray make this point, too. The Supreme Court even mentioned it in one of its decisions. Council prayer is not for the people in the audience. It's for leaders to ask for guidance. I asked Mayor Bob O'Connor if anyone's complained about the invocation. I've never heard that. I've never had that comment uh, made to me. Now you're probably like, come on, Mark, are you just trying to stir up some controversy for a story? No. Turns out there are people who don't like Aurora's government prayer. A few people at the meeting said they don't think it's appropriate. And after a few weeks of reporting, someone who works in Aurora City Hall emailed me. They said they're Christian, but baffled by the council prayers. They asked to remain anonymous. You'll hear why later. But their feelings echo what other city council prayer opponents have told me. One, they feel like the prayer is a violation of the separation of church and state. Two, there are Muslim centers and Hindu and Buddhist temples in and around the city. Prayer opponents feel these non-Christians are underrepresented at council meetings. We've on occasion had representatives from the religious community and clergy here doing an invocation. I think we've had all representations, Christian, Jewish, Muslim community. But if they have, it wasn't recently. Every invocation available on the city's website, about 18 months worth of meetings, is performed by an alderman, and they sound pretty Christian, with references to God the Father and a specific Bible passage. Mayor O'Connor says there's no plan to change Aurora's invocation process. And as my anonymous city hall source points out, 
No mayor wants to be the mayor that gets rid of city council prayer. But that's a matter of politics. Our question is about whether Aurora's city council prayer is legal. For that, we turn to the Supreme Court, which in 2013 heard a case involving a resident of Greece, New York, who complained over the fact clergy members mentioned Jesus in council invocations. The court ruled 5-4 to four in favor of council prayer, saying since it's been done in local and federal politics for hundreds of years, it's now part of America's heritage. The court warned, however, that there are some types of invocations that would cross a line. That's Harold Krent, the dean of the Chicago-Kent College of Law. If you make fun of other religions, if you're too coercive and make other people pray, if you never have anybody from a, the clergy except for one particular denomination over time, that might be seen as being too much of an endorsement of religion. But the court left unanswered questions. I had Krent listen and then break down Aurora's prayer based on how a judge might interpret the Supreme Court's ruling. It was non-denominational. Everybody did have to stand up, but it was in the context of the dignity of a moment of silence, then the Pledge of Allegiance. This did not strike me as on the more problematic end of the spectrum. So, a judge would probably say Aurora's prayer is legal or constitutional. But Krent says it's dicey the aldermen perform invocations nearly every single time. There literally is no separation between church and state in that instance. Okay, so what if a judge said Aurora had to change its invocation process? Or what if someone from the public asked for changes? That's what happened in Wheaton, a city about 20 miles east of Aurora. We'd call them in order, uh, we would do a pledge, have an invocation, and start business. That's Wheaton Mayor Michael Gresk. For as long as he can recall, that's how the city started its meetings. Then, in 2009, a resident approached Gresk saying they felt uncomfortable council prayers sometimes called upon Jesus. It got to the point where the Freedom From Religion Foundation filed a formal complaint saying Wheaton's council prayer inappropriately alienates non-Christians and non-believers. Gresk said Wheaton took the complaint seriously and made changes. Here's a big one. It's not part of the formal minutes. It's not part of the formal meeting. Wheaton's council prayers aren't recorded and are now held before the meetings. Remember, auroras are held during. We have people that have come to the meetings and they simply don't rise. Well, that's fine, too. Uh, you're not going to support an organized religion. That's great. Uh, if you don't join us in the pledge, you're, you're an American. God bless you. Go for it. Somebody bless you. Gresk said Wheaton decided not to do away with council prayer entirely. Many of the city's residents are religious, and the council wanted to reflect the community's values. He said the current invocation process was a good compromise, and Wheaton still uses it today. And our legal expert, Harold Krent, said a judge would most likely view it as permissible. But let's go back to Aurora for one last look at whether it hits the spirit of the separation of church and state. There are relevant details, like that the prayer is in the council meeting, aldermen do the praying, and the prayers are all Christian-sounding. And then there's the aspect of anonymity. Our questioner for the story was anonymous, and an anonymous city employee complained to us. Here's Krent's take. They are, for whatever reason, right or wrong, are frightened to use the political channels open to them to protest, plausibly suggest the problem here of feeling coerced by this practice. I tried to interview Mayor O'Connor about this question of coercion, perceived or real, but he and the city declined. Instead, they sent a written statement. Here's a portion of it. Quote, if a city employee is uncomfortable with this practice, 
That matter certainly has not been brought to the attention of the mayor's office, end quote. But my anonymous city hall employee says Aurora has the kind of top-down government where everyone is just expected to fall in line. And my source worries if they openly complain, their job could be in jeopardy. Reporting came from me, Mark Filipino. Curious City is supported by the Conant Family Foundation. City is supported by Wintrust, offering community banking with a mission to invest in and give back to the areas it serves. More about Wintrust community banking at Wintrust.com. Next time on Curious City, a question about the people who sell Christmas trees in parking lots. How many trees do they sell a day, a week? How do people get into the business? What's hard? What's great? Turns out, selling trees in Chicago can be complicated. A lot of people have high ceilings, but they don't have floor space. So they want, like, tall, skinny. We ask the trees to be tall, skinny, but it doesn't always work that way. Inside the Christmas Tree Biz. That's next time on WBEZ's Curious City. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.